Well, good morning and uh, welcome to King's Church today. I want to start off by uh, giving a, a couple of apologies. Firstly, I apologise, I'm not Andrew Wilson. Uh, Andrew was due to be speaking today, but uh, uh, his wife, Rachel, went into labour and that certainly meant that we had to come up with another cunning plan for today. Uh, the, the second apology is that I'm not live. Now, just to reassure you, I am still alive, even though, even though I am um, absolutely full of a cold, but I am still alive. I'm just not live with you. I'm currently preaching at King's Church Lewis. Jesse is preaching in King's Church in Seaford. Andy is on holiday in Venice. He wasn't willing to come back. And uh, Jez, uh, as I mentioned, is in Seaford. Ollie's down in Central. Steve is here. And so you have me. I did ask Andrew, to be fair, whether he uh, could pop out for half an hour and whether Rachel would mind while she was uh, in labour. But as yet, I have uh, to hear from his text. He's not replied to me. So this is what we do. Before the United event at the Congress next week, I want to finish off this, the heart of celebration. Uh, I want to prepare it, uh, pre-record it. We're going to throw in a few local comments to make it look live and then see if we can get away with it. Okay, so let's head into it. Week four, the heart of celebration. We've looked at the expectant heart. Are we here? We're wanting to meet with God. We're looking at the resilient heart to, to push on, to press through some of the kind of like those difficulties in life. Last week, I was talking about having a prepared heart. What, what, what does it look like on the way in, on the way out? And what does life look like when, when we're here, the bit in the middle? We're ready to receive. Let's not be spectators or workers. Are we ready to respond? Don't be passive, but we need to be pushing through and to be participators. Are we also ready to reproduce worship in all areas of our life? So as soon as the meeting finishes, we don't dash out of here and it actually has no reference points to the rest of our life. But let's live out our life as an act of worship to God. And this week, we want to be looking at a childlike heart. So Christians, they're called to be children in the way in which we can approach God. It's the application about our ongoing daily relationship with God, but it's also about the application of when we do worship together. So at the end of Centro today, Ollie will lead you out with a conga down Seaside Road and Steve will lead you down to Lotbridge Drove as a way of expressing, that's a joke, okay, as a way of expressing, uh, you know, your childlikeness is how do we approach God? For some of us, the fact that Christians are called to be like children is, is kind of difficult. It's nothing new. Let me read this quote. In the first couple of centuries after Jesus rose from the dead, one of the main accusations made against the church was that it attracted slaves, women, and children. But serious men steered clear of it. A number of years ago, we, we regularly had a, a guest worship leader who would come in and, and, and help us on a Sunday. He was from South Africa, and, 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 and he would bring with him this like a, a natural enthusiasm and exuberance, and, and he would want to engage and, and get the people participating and joining in, and he would encourage us to kind of be childlike. And we noticed over a number of times that he came to be with us, people stopped coming because they would actually avoid that particular week. So as adults, we find it difficult to be childlike. It's kind of like, introduce any sense of an action song that would encourage a child to participate, and we get embarrassed by that. You know, it's kind of babyish. It's not, to be honest, really that masculine to be singing about wanting to be a butterfly or fuzzy wuzzy bears. My Britishness or my personality can 
to be honest, actually get in the way and can override some biblical culture. See, it was Jesus himself who calls us to be childlike. And, and if we reject the call, we're actually rejecting the words of Jesus. Let's look up Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And then we'll jump across into chapter 10 and pick it up in verse 13. And uh, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? <laughs> but they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and, and he put him in the midst of them and, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Let's jump over the chapter, chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, uh, that Jesus might reach out and touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. So twice in a couple of chapters, Jesus uses a child as an example to his disciples about how we should be behaving or engaging, how we should be living. And both times the disciples are resoundingly told off, rebuked by him. The question is, is, is why does Jesus emphasize the point we need to be more childlike? Now, now don't confuse that. I'm not saying be more childish as if to like, you know, throw your toys out the pram or run around the supermarket without any shoes on. I'm not saying about being childish in behavior, but to be more childlike in our approach and in our life towards God. What is it about children that actually Jesus is saying, look, look to them as an example. What can we learn from them? And in the passage, even though it, 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 it's not explicit, there's enough in there, there's enough clues in there. Jesus doesn't actually explain what he means about you know, what we can learn from being more childlike. We, we pick up the clues that are in there. If we pick it up, then it will help us in our approach, uh, in our approach of worship and approach to God. So four things. Firstly, be humble, not proud. Secondly, be secure, not afraid. Thirdly, be trusting, not cynical. And fourthly, be exuberant, not embarrassed. Now, please don't worry. In the context of your personality, I'm not wanting to force anyone to conquer down Seaside Road or Lockbridge Drove. I, I don't want you to fear that, but now I don't want you to be restricted in your ability to be exuberant in your heart towards God. Humble, not proud, secure, not afraid, trusting, not cynical, exuberant, not embarrassed. All four are hugely significant when it comes to cultivating a heart of celebration. So let's look at the first one, being humble, not proud. Now remember the context of this conversation. The disciples have been discussing on a journey who was the greatest. And 
Jesus, you could just imagine the, the, the situation that he was maybe just a little bit ahead of them on the road and he was listening behind to kind of like the, the, this discussion that was taking place. I guess a little bit like when you're sitting on a train and you can't help but overhear the conversation that is taking place in another part of the carriage. And Jesus is listening in and when he gets to the other end of the journey, he turns to them and said, what, what, what were you guys talking about back there? And, and there was this awkward hushed silence because they know what they've been talking about. They've been discussing and, and disagreeing about who was the greatest, the best one amongst them. So Jesus comes in on the back of that and he says this, and as he sat down, he called them together and he said this, if anyone would be first, he must be the last and the servant of all. And that's when he took a child, no idea where he found the child, but he took the child and he put the child in the midst of them. Now, Jesus isn't using the child to say, look, look, this little humble little angel, he never struggles with pride. It, it, we're not trying to emphasize that, that the fact that the children are always humble. That is often not the case. Often children think that they rule the world, that they're in charge. I, I remember my son, he probably spent half of his childhood on the bottom step battling with this sense that I'm in charge. And we were determined to try and encourage him not to view life like that. So I think one hour, 22 minutes was the record that he spent on one of those stairs. Most children think that they rule the world, but they're not in charge. They don't rule. In fact, they don't rule anything. Just while I was prepping this message, there was, there was a parent out, outside my office window who was clearly having fun with a little toddler a, a, a toddler was refusing to get into the car seat just didn't want and he was screaming and crying and I can just imagine that the, probably the arms were playing and rigid back and arch not wanting to go into the car seat and and the mum was talking calmly to the child now listen to me now be quiet and and the child just just wanted to scream even louder and no now listen now stop kicking me and you could hear this conversation that was taking place eventually the child gave in and just sat back and was fastened in. Why the child didn't win? Child don't win. The child's not in charge. Mum's in charge. The reason for an adult to become more childlike is actually to show that we can clothe ourselves in humility. And it involves admitting that, that we're smaller than we think. It, it involves admitting that actually we don't understand everything. We're not the greatest. Uh, we're dependent. We're putting ourselves deliberately down the pecking order uh, of importance. You see, we're not a big fish in a small pond. We're not a big fish in a big pond. We're not even a fish. <laughs> Who's the greatest? Well, Peter, and imagine Peter looking at Peter, it's not you. James, John, it's not you. In fact, the greatest is about him. It's not about me. Compared to him, I am nothing. We are not the greatest. Jesus, it really is all about you. A childlike heart is a humble heart. Secondly, the childlike heart is also secure. Secure, not afraid. So in chapter 10, verse 13, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus was indignant, and then went on to bless them. So it, it's not explicit within the text, but we need to ask the questions, is, is why were the disciples rebuking the children? Why were they wanting to push them away? 
Maybe they were considered actually not to be important enough to be around celebrity Jesus. And the bodyguards were protecting Jesus from the trivial interruptions. See, we have access to him, they would say. You don't. We're on the inner circle. You're not. It's us first, and then maybe a few other in the crowd. And, but the children, you're not, you're not high on the list. You, you need to understand where you fit in this. There's an order of priority. Kids are at the bottom of the guest list, and that's the rules. But the thing is, children don't tend to play by the adult rules. They just wander up to important people, completely secure, and start talking to them. This week, as the Queen celebrated her 90th birthday, a number of photographs were, were released into the national press. And one of those was with the Queen with all of her great-grandchildren. And, and imagine that, that, that situation of the uh, four, five, six children standing around who, who know that she's the Queen but don't really have an understanding of what that means, that her great-grandmother is the Queen of England. Prince George, a toddler, doesn't call her queen, calls her gam-gam. They know she's the queen, doesn't mean a lot, and yet they approach her, I guess, without fear. Kids are secure around famous people. There's a great photo of Prime Minister David Cameron in the lead-up to the last elections of going into a classroom to try and get some winning photos of being with school pupils. And there's a little girl, maybe about six or seven years of age, and there's a photo of David Cameron with a book, reading of a story, and she's just like, kind of like face-planted her face right onto the desk. It's just like, it's the Prime Minister, I don't care. I don't want to, I don't want to do any more work. I've, I've, I've done it. I've, I've finished work. Didn't understand it. Totally secure. So the disciples pushed the children away, but the children kept coming. Unless it's a tricky balance for us. See, the first one is about coming with Humility. We don't want to overstep that sense of actually, we want to be able to be confident about approaching God, but actually we don't want to be so casual about that that we don't realize kind of like who we're coming to meet. But at the same time, we want to be secure and not afraid in coming to meet God. Where we can be relaxed, where we can be at home, where we don't have to put on any airs and graces, where we don't have to pretend, where we can be secure because now we're, we're with our heavenly dad. See, a childlike heart is humble. A childlike heart is secure. And thirdly, a childlike heart is trusting. It's not cynical. Verse 15, chapter 10, Truly I say to you, whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Then across into Matthew chapter 11, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you have revealed them to little children. The thing about children, my observation is that children trust. They believe what they're told, whether they should or not. If Andrew was here now, he would tell the story that when he was about seven years of age, uh, he tasted and smelt Parmesan cheese for the first time, and he asked his dad, where does this come from? And his dad said, they get a cheese grater and they grate Italian's feet, and that's where Parmesan comes from. He never questioned it. It's understandable. The smell of this does smell like smelly feet. And, and, and he never questioned it, just believed him. David Gamester, the the trust manager, he was talking about, he mentioned when he was about seven years of age, 
he, he was walking through a graveyard and he spoke to an adult and he said, why do some of these gravestones have kind of like uh, barriers around them? Why do they, uh, they have bars around them? Uh, you know, these railings that are around these gravestones, why are they there? And he said, it's, well, the people who died in prison, that's where they're buried. <laughs> and he never questioned it, never doubted it whatsoever until maybe, what, 10, 15 years later. He suddenly thought, hang on a minute, that wasn't true. And Ollie Stevens, who is sitting right here in the central congregation right now, his little son, Finn, doesn't like having his hair washed. He doesn't like the shampoo. And so Ollie has told him, if you don't have your hair washed in shampoo, then all of your hair will fall out and you'll be just like Grandad No Hair. And Finn doesn't want to be like Grandad No Hair. And so he even came in the other day and he said, I must wash my hair in shampoo. Why? Because I don't want to be like Grandad No Hair. Children just believe. They believe what they're told. Being more childlike is about being more trusting, trusting what God says. But, but the reservation that we have is that we don't like to be made a fool of. So we protect ourselves, we guard ourselves, we, we don't want to be gullible, we, we, we don't want to get caught out, we don't want to be naive. But the problem with not wanting to be naive and not wanting to be gullible, it can actually lead us to become cynical. And it's actually much, much better for us to be naive than cynical. Why? Because cynical just drains the life out of you and it actually just drains the life out of other people. See, a cynic's heart becomes hard. You can't trust what you're hearing. So at times we have people who will come and just share their story about what God is doing. We love to celebrate stories. And we just want to let people hear what is going on in people's lives. But I've noticed that on occasions we don't quite know how to react. People will stand up and will give a story about, I, I only had a, a 5% chance or opportunity that I would you know, ever be able to conceive to have a child. And, and then I was able to have a child. And then, look, and this is the child. And, and, and people are going, yeah, that's really great. But some of us go, oh, there was a 5% chance that wasn't anything to do with God. We just kind of get cynical get hard-hearted. Well, the antidote to cynicism is actually celebration. We need to actually kind of force the cynic out of us. And how do we do that? Well, we become childlike. We, we celebrate. We, we applaud. We, we, we rejoice. We go, yeah, it's good. God, God, I thank you that, that, that you have done this. I thank you that here we've got a story that we are celebrating. I am choosing not to be cynical right now. I'm choosing to trust God. A writer and commentator called Caitlin Moran says this, Cynicism is like armour. It protects you, but you can't grow in it and you can't dance. We need to be able to grow and we need to be able to dance. And the fourth thing about having a childlike heart, we need to be exuberant, not embarrassed. Most of this is kind of like familiar stories that we've read. And sometimes, like the, the classic portraits and the pictures of Jesus meeting the children, is all very soft and, and very beautiful, and, and the children are queuing up calmly, and Jesus is just gathering them in. I don't know many children that that is actually true of, because the true nature of children is that they're loud and they scuffle and they get overexcited and they put their feet on their furniture and they wrestle and they play fight. 
I imagine there was something of that that was taking place. And maybe it actually is one of the reasons why the disciples rebuked him. They were just being too noisy. Come on, stop it, stop it, stop it. Firstly, can I just say, we love children running around the centre. If you're here in Hamden Park, we love the children making noise. Parent, please don't be embarrassed about noises that children are making because it's teaching us to be exuberant in life. Keep, keep, keep allowing them to run around. I remember when uh, my children were younger and Jake would head off going to bed and you'd always have to have kind of like, come on, I'll race you up there. I'll give you three seconds to get, and he would set off and knowing full well that I was going to be chasing behind him. I'd come running behind him and grabbing hold of his feet and his legs and he's screaming, he's squealing because he just loves fun. And I remember Beth, my daughter, when she was young, she used to just love jumping off things, just loved it. And, and it's like got to a point where she would climb up the stairs and she would just say, dad, catch. And she would just leap off and, and fully expecting that I was going to be there. Yeah, uh, most of the times I was. <laughs> a childlike heart is exuberant. So in Matthew 11, when Jesus describes children as singing and playing games in the marketplace, in other words, I reckon there's a picture here of children just being exuberant and noisy. Okay? We want children being exuberant and noisy because it actually works as an example to us. that That is how we should be approaching God. So let's pull all of that together. What does childlikeness mean in the heart of celebration? What does it look like to celebrate God with humility, with security, with trust, with exuberance? I guess we get a picture of it as we look into the Bible. If we look into, the, into all the songs in the book of Psalms, clap your hands, your nations. Shout aloud for joy. Wake up, O my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken to the dawn. Praise him with cymbals. Praise him with tambourines and with dancing. It's a hint of life and exuberance. Or maybe it's a little bit like the church in Corinth. Childlike celebration is about participating, not performing. This celebration involving bringing of our gifts in order to build one another up. When you come together, everyone has a song, teaching, a revelation, a language, or an interpretation. Maybe it's a little bit like that we see in the book of Revelation, where childlike celebration is diverse. And then I looked, and then I saw before me a great multitude that no one could count, from all the tribes and from all the peoples and from all the languages. Just now, as we come back into a time of worship together. And as the bands start to come back right now onto the stage, let us come, not just with an expectancy, ready to meet with God, not just with a determination to push on through, with a, a prepared heart, but also let's come like children, to be humble, not proud. Let's be secure, not afraid that we can come before him. The access has been made possible. That we are trusting and not being cynical, learning to celebrate everything that God is doing. And finally, let's be exuberant. Let's not be embarrassed. If this is an issue for you, can I encourage you? The heart of celebration. Perhaps you're a little too worried or embarrassed about what others might think. 
perhaps some of us a little bit too cynical, which is stopping us celebrating. And perhaps some of us a little bit afraid to let our guard down because we're a little bit afraid to meet God right now. But let's come. Let's come and meet with him now.